I'm with Sean DeSani. Uh, Angels of Change is the short film play at the Environmental Film Festival. A really interesting film. This is an all transgender, all queer cast, correct? Uh, that's correct. I mean, I can't speak for our uh, the the guard who plays the fighter, the the guy that I fight against in there. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of us, we all kind of know each other from Outfest. Actually, Outfest is one of the longest running queer film festivals that takes place in Los Angeles. So our cast. Uh, you know, some of us have worked together before, but most of us, we know each other through the Outfest Film Fest, uh, Film Festival. Also, just quick, real quick, it's Dasani, just like the water, no relation. What did I, what did I say? Dasani, I think. Dasani, I should know that because of the water. You're right. I totally, totally apologize. Like, this that. is the, the first time we're talking. It's all good. Yeah, I usually ask what your last name is, but I was like 90% certain. So basically, how to pronounce your last name. So I, I should have uh, I should have said that beforehand. So. That's fine. You got the Sean part right, which is uh, many times where people stumble. People stumble on because my I spell it S H A A N, yeah, and it's actually the Persian spelling. And Sean means um, to be proud of who you are, and so that was a chosen name that I uh, picked for myself when I was going through my medical transition, and it just resonated with a lot of where I was in life. But um, kind of going back to the film, yes, uh, we have a. a a queer and transgender cast and behind the scenes representation, we have about 50% of our crew was also identified with the LGBTQIA plus community. So tell me about, tell me about the the networking then. So you guys all met at this, at this particular film festival. And then there was a bond that formed within, within the most of the people involved in this film. So yes, we shot in Los Angeles in March, 2022. And prior to that, um, some of us had worked together, like the director, Jet Garrison, and I, we had worked together on a fantastic comedy series that we shot a few years ago called These Thems. Gretchen Wilder, who plays Kitty Amore in our film, is the creator of These Thems. Uh, so so the three of us had worked together on that project. And then Rain Valdez, who plays um, opposite me as Agent Evelyn Quinn, uh, her and I did a series, her show called Razor Tongue. So we had shot together before, you know, and, and I think as I was writing Agents of Change, once I started thinking about the people that I knew as the other characters, it started to really pop for me because um, the writing process took a long time. The writing for the script, it, I sat with the story for about six years. And, you know, anytime you're writing something, that's your blueprint. That's your foundation of everything else. So if that's off, then it shows up later on when you're when you're you know on set or when you're in editing you're like something's off with the story and so I really wanted to take my time with the writing, um, but that said you know it was important to have characters that really felt as a part of the story as opposed to in a spy film many times it's the plot that pushes the story forward and it's less about the character and I wanted to find that sweet spot of character development and plot development to really help push the story forward. So as I started thinking about, well, Rain Valdez would make an amazing Agent Evelyn Quinn, her, the nuances of that character really started to pop. She's much more experienced than my character is. You know, she's kind of the lead secret agent on this mission. And uh, <laughs> in real life, Rain Valdez has that, has that energy, you know? And so I, I kind of brought some of what I know of her as my, as a, as my friend, you know, I brought some of that into the script. And then Gretchen Wilder, who plays Kitty Amore, you know, she's she comes from a musical theater background. She's improv and she's just a very fun, you know, big energy. And so she she did a fantastic job as uh, 
as Kitty Amore in our script, in our uh, film. So you're right. You wrote the screenplay. You're you're the the star, one of the stars of the film. And then mm-hmm. you got Jetta to direct the film. But we'll talk about that in a second. But the process, the development, like as you described. So you, were you thinking all the when you're writing it? Were you th- were you thinking yourself as as an as one of the leads? Were you thinking these other actors who are going to be like performing? Like were you writing to gear these performers to be in your in the film? Ultimately, yes. That's how it turned out. I initially kind of in the in the early stages of the film, I wasn't sure who was going to play. It wasn't in my head to think too deeply about who the actors were going to be. I was just okay. trying to find the character. Um, for myself, yes, I always wanted to play a secret agent. Um, my background <laughs> in film production, and so I started out behind the scenes. I got my training, uh, my MFA at Chapman University, which is in Southern California. And we show you know, we've 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 shown a lot of films from that university, a lot of student great, films from there. Yeah, it's a great school. I had I, I always felt supported as a filmmaker, you know, in my experience over there, and you know, coming out of film school and working in production. And I was very indie. I was never, you know, maybe I didn't know how to or whatever it was. I couldn't get my foot in the door on the studio side. And maybe that just didn't quite appeal to me. I was just always kind of a gritty indie filmmaker type. And um, and I liked working on the indie level with other, with other folks. Um, and then when I got into the acting side, you know, it was really, it was really interesting because it was a world that I think people you know, on the surface, when they think about, oh, you're an actor, it it seems very glamorous. But a lot of your time is spent trying to get the job. And so that's, that brings about its own challenging, because you are this product that you're also trying to market and develop. Um, And I had great roles and great auditions. uh, But I I kept thinking, you know, I would love to play a spy, I would love to play a lead in a spy film. And I knew I wasn't going to be seen by the industry as a secret agent spy type unless I could show them that, look, this is what I can do. So I definitely knew that I wanted to play the lead secret agent. Um, and as that was hard too, because then you're writing for yourself. Yeah. So kind of wearing two different hats, you want to create this character and then you want to kind of see yourself in this role. So I, I learned a lot, I think. It's an LA thing to do, right? Like to, <laughs> the actor, it's, there's been many stories from Matt Damon to John Favreau you know what I mean? Of writing themselves in their own little story, right? So, well, I think it forces it forced me anyway to try to see myself through my own eyes, because I don't know if that makes any sense. But many times when you're auditioning, not to say that this is the way one should do it, but it's hard not to see yourself through other people's eyes or through other people's expectations or think about what other people want. And I think when you are able to put that to the side and just really come from that place of what do I want to see? What can I create for myself, you know, and just kind of tune out the noise. It becomes a little bit more of an authentic experience. Um, The character that I play, Guy Longani, you know, he's not this traditional macho secret agent. He's, you know, kind of flying by the seat of his pants part of the time. And then part of the time, he's really trying to prove himself to his um, more experienced agent, to his lead. And uh, he knows that he needs to earn her trust if they're going to actually achieve what they're trying to achieve on this mission. So he's not the type of agent that has it all figured out. He's figuring it out as he goes along, but he's yeah. always coming from uh, coming from a good place. It's that's a good that's that's a good uh, plot point or the character development that you just brought up because it it makes the audience kind of understand him more because we're 
we're we're figuring it out as he's figuring it out, I guess, right? Where it's like he's not like James Bond and fully developed and kind of an ass kicker and like we're kind of looking up at him like in awe. We're kind of like he's like he's like kind of like a godlike figure, whereas like your character is kind of like grounded and we're kind of like we're kind of with them all the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> it's funny that you're talking about James Bond because I think that was definitely one of my inspirations for this character. And I had a I had a question uh, right down. I said, when you were a kid, did you want to be James Bond? <laughs> That's what I one oh. of the questions I had set up for you. <laughs> well, I used to watch the films with my dad, and I think okay. we both wanted to be James Bond. I had a feeling. I had, just watching your film, I had, in the way you were just discussing at the beginning, I had a because you wrote you wrote an agent. You wrote like this this guy, this this butt kicker, I guess. Yeah, as a, as a character. So I'm, I was I was assuming that James Bond was was one of your role models growing up. Yeah, I mean, I love James Bond. I love Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible. What's interesting is kind of like as the series have evolved, as the films have evolved we get to see these softer sides of Bond and we get to see these more sensitive sides like Ian. They, Ethan well, Hunt. I think times have shown us that. Like, I think that yeah. he's in the, because they, they, the movie that James Bond's evolved since the sixties, but now yeah. in the two thousands or the 2020s, they, the kind of society forced him to, to be that character, I guess. Right. Yeah. So you got to evolve with the times. And I yeah. think the conversations around, I, I think the films like spy films bring up a lot of conversations around masculinity, around misogyny, yeah. you know, because it's not just the men, it's how, how are the women portrayed in those films? Yeah. And many times they're, you know, the love interest, the sexy love interest. And, you know, she's no matter who he is, she's always into him. And it's like, you know, let's have a little bit more nuanced conversation of, of our quote unquote gender um, positionings, you know, what, what is it in society? And, and a film should really be more mm, realistic to what we have in society. I think when you're talking about uh, characters and, and how gender is portrayed in films, you know. It's it's interesting you brought up Ethan Hunt too, where with Mission Impossible, obviously Tom Cruise plays him. And Ghost Protocol is probably my favorite. I love the, I love the Mission Impossible films. I really do. Mm. Ghost Protocol is probably my favorite because it's like this, your character where it's like, there's always there's so many mistakes that are happening. It's like it's not a perfect. It's like it's not like uh, an easy kind of like I'm, I got this this full of confident Ethan Hunt. It's like a guy who's who's trying to figure it out. Like who's kind of like having insecurities. He's having he's having dilemmas. I guess. Yeah, and I think you know as we've you know in it from a society perspective when we talk about masculinity, giving giving even folks of masculine experience that room to be humans. Yeah, and not feel like they have to just put on the show that yes, I know the answer. Yes, I know exactly what I need to do. No, that's not real. You know, I think I think we all need a little bit of breathing room. And we can still save the day, but we can also be real. You know? Well I I'm assuming like uh as you probably maybe agree, like the comic book movies have really kind of like it or not, have changed the storytelling in a lot of ways, right? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I think, you know, when I was thinking about character in this, that was a big conversation I was having. It's like, you're watching these spy films, you know, um, I, I watched a lot of the older Bond films too, like in the early stages of trying to figure out who Guy Longani was going to be. And it's like, okay, really trying to find that shape of who he was and also who I am as a guy and, and yeah. how do I live in the world as a guy and kind of like, you know, he... He, on the one hand, you know, he's got this great chemistry with his co-agent, Evelyn Quinn. You know, you can feel the rumblings of that. And I think the reason for the reason I wanted to definitely bring in that relationship and 
make this film feel like part of a bigger world is because ultimately the short serves as a proof of concept for a bigger project for a feature. And I wanted, I wanted anyone who was going to see it to feel like they got a taste of that, <clears throat> excuse me, and that they would want more of what that is. Like, who are these people? So you get this kind of romantic tension and, yeah. um, uh, and, and so that kind of like helps like carry the story forward. I almost, I'm so sorry. I forgot your question when I started talking about it. No, it's it. all good because it leads me to another question because uh, it is a proof of concept. So basically you're kind of trying to show money people, the industry that this is, this could be a bigger project. This could be a feature film, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's uh well, so it's not just the character also like they are secret agents who fight environmental crime. Yeah. And so that. To me, I when we when I first started writing this, I actually was thinking about it as a series, as a short form series. And so I had seven episodes written with my uh, with my good friend Mitch Delmonico. We wrote seven episodes together, and then we went through a round of crowdfunding um, back in 2018. So okay. we did a crowdfunding campaign, and when we pulled back from that, we were like, you know, what we've written is a much bigger project than what we've raised. And so wanted to really step back and kind of rethink how how could we best serve this world and with the funding that we had, because obviously when you have a spy film, you've got you've got a certain expectation of the production quality and the production value that you're bringing to that. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, wanted to move quick, but somehow the story wasn't shaping quickly in my mind. And I. You know, as I started kind of learning more about environmental, you know, issues and things that we were actually dealing with in our real world, uh, the story completely changed. I think the crime, you know, initially that series was about agricultural crime. And then we stepped back and, you know, kind of rethinking this short, it tackles plastic pollution and kind of peeling the onion of all the different directions we could go with the story. It's like there are actually a lot of different areas with environmental you know, climate uh, issues that are happening in our real world that we could go. And so I think, I think we do have a, um, a product that could lend itself to either a film franchise or a series. The reason why we wanted to do it as a short this time is because I know I knew that our, our distribution channel was going to be film festivals. And film festivals are more likely to program short films than they are series. I had seen that through some other projects uh, I was involved with. And so I just kind of wanted to make it as accessible as possible. And it seemed like a, a 15 minute short was the best kind of proof of concept. That 100%. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen tons of them. I've seen a lot of them very succeed mightily as well. Cause you're yeah. kind of, you're teasing the audience. You're giving, you're telling us a beginning, middle and end story, but you're also that it's that kind of arc where you're like, you want us to want more after we watch your film. We're satisfied with the ending, but we still want, we still want more. And basically that, yeah, I think you succeeded with, with this film. And it's like your, your tagline, uh, your teaser line is, uh, oh my God, I totally apologize for this. The, the plastic, plastic times call for drastic me measures. That's your tagline, yeah. I guess. Right. Yeah. That's our tagline. We've, uh, pretty proud of that one. <laughs> no, there's a lot of meaning to plastic, plastic times is there's a, there's a, it's like, there's like three or four meanings to that, to that, that term, I guess. Right. So. So it's interesting because um, one of the podcasts that I really loved listening to when I was researching and, and trying to find this, uh, the plot um, was the How to Save a Planet podcast. Okay. I don't know if you've ever listened to it. Sure. but they, yeah, of course, yeah. I think last year or maybe it was last year, they they 
stopped recording any new episodes, but still all the old episodes are there. One of the episodes was about single use plastic and how did we even get into this mess? Um, and so it was fascinating to me how how did this even happen? Because we are so, as a society, as a culture, we're so, you know, plastic is convenient. We don't really think about our impact and our waste. Um, but this was a result of an ad campaign that started back in the 50s. And there was one individual who tried to convince the entire industry, hey, listen, if you if you convince people to focus on single-use plastic, to use it once and then toss it out, yeah, uh, you'll make more money. And so it was a profit game. And sure. they knew like everything. <laughs> like everything. They yeah. soon after, you know, it took them about five or six years, and they had all these like really wholesome campaigns with you know, 1950s housewife and they're her kid. And it's like, look, we can just toss out this plastic tub of butter when we're done, blah, blah, blah. Um, It just became the way that our society thought about plastic. And a lot of things were happening with the economy at the time. And, you know, here we are with this mess on our hands, not just in our country, but globally. And, you know, and and so I kind of wanted to take it, take a look at what is the United States role in the global picture with plastic pollution. A lot of what we have here in this country, we were exporting to China. China a few years ago stopped taking it. They said, we don't want to deal with it because it was too much. And so our our stuff gets sent overseas many times um, with those countries not wanting it, not wanting to receive it. And it's not illegal for us to send it out yeah. per uh, per international law, the way it is right now, but it is illegal for them to receive it if they haven't consented to receiving it. Yeah. Again, per international law, this goes really deep. So there was a lot of. There's a metaphor for a lot of things, what you just described there, with the United yeah. States and the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's interesting. I think we just you know we're we have to think about our sense of accountability, and I think I think we can. I think it's just an education thing because. We we all kind of want to have good lives and and go about our day to day and pay our bills and have fun with our families and friends and loved ones. But um, this, on the one hand, it feels like this big daunting problem. On the other hand, if we don't talk about it, if we don't learn what we can do um, on the individual local level, but also on a a, a bigger national level, then we're never going to get there. So it's important to kind of have entertaining, interesting films to to open up these conversations. Hundred percent. That's what storytelling is all about. Yeah. So, okay, so you wrote the screenplay, you're, you're kind of, you produced the film, uh, but tell me about Jet. So you didn't, uh, did you ever think about directing it yourself or it was something that was too daunting and you, you just thought, like, was, was that something that it was an idea that you had to direct the film yourself? I'm just curious. You know, it's interesting because, um, so Jet and I worked together on These Thems, um, which is a comedy series uh, that, that had a really great reach and audience. And I really loved what I loved about working with him from that director actor perspective was that he really doesn't say a whole lot as a director unless he wants something different. And so he really has a lot of trust in his actors to deliver. And so, you know, actors always want that affirmation, like, Hey, what you think? Was it okay? And, you know, and I, yeah. I remember up him quite a bit and, and wanting that. And he was, I realized pretty quick. It's like, he, he will give me that, but he'll also, um, He'll chime in more if there's something different he wants to see, and so I kind of appreciated the trust uh, that he that he gives to his actors on set. Um, I, you know, I kind of just thought I was like, look, I love collaborating with other people, and I love, you know, when you sit with a vision for so long, naturally you have a sense of what you're seeing in your mind. But I kind of wanted to see what other people brought to it. So, on the one hand, it's like I can direct. 
on the other hand, there is that just because you can doesn't mean you should, because ultimately it's having other people that can um, bring their vision to the table. Mm. I think that's what creates a lot of magic, especially if you can work well together and, and help bring that out in each other. But it, it's definitely not easy. I think when you're the writer yeah. um, who can direct, then I think it's not always easy to pass it off to somebody. So there was that, you know, I think we had to figure out um, figure out that sweet spot. Creative. Well, he's got some game, so he's a good he's a good director to have. Oh yeah, he, he's great. <laughs> he, he's got he some yeah, or, and so he basically he he like in his bio he 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 identifies as he's a trans identified filmmaker. He wants to make so it's another aspect of your film, right? Where it's like it's basically it's something that you you're there's a lot of layers to your film. It's like it's it's a busy film, but it still works. Like you're talking about the environment. You're talking about like this, this, you, 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 like in your film, it's the first line of your synopsis, transgender, queer cast. And then of course it's an action film as well. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. The, the reason why we put that in there is because by watching it, you won't know. No. We don't talk about identity at all. And so, the, and I wrestle with that too, as a writer, it's like, on the one hand, we talk about representation. And so I'm like, how can I work this in? But as I as I was, maybe a different you know filmmaker might have found something that I didn't find. But also, I was like, well, is it important? Is it important in this story to to talk about you know someone coming out or someone? I'm like, it felt too. It felt like there were bigger things going on. And as I you know really sat with that idea, I was like, yeah, it's not always the thing that we need to talk about. At the end of the day, I think sometimes we do while finding one's identity can be quite liberating and, and joyful, I think sometimes if we get caught up with identity politics, it can yeah. really divide us and separate us. And so in this world of this film, something bigger was going on, you know? And so there was no place that I could find that felt organic. And so, you know, we have things like this softer, you know, portrayal of masculinity, this, you know, kind of different ways that I wanted to showcase uh, identity and gender roles without being so on the nose or direct about it. Um, the company that we have, I, there's a line in there where, you know, the villain says to me, sharp suit. And I open my jacket and we have a label in my jacket that says sharp suiting. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an actual suiting company called Sharp Suits. And Sharp is a uh, gender inclusive suiting company. It's a trans owned business. And so um, I had known about them for some time and I said, you know, if anyone's going to make our secret agent suit, it has to be you because of what you stand for. And my suit itself is kind of the soft bluish grayish color. And there's a sign on my lapel. It's like two, it, like an equal sign. And I asked him, can you make that stitching light pink? And so with the blue and the pink, those are the trans flag colors. And yeah. so very, very subtle things that we did for us and whether other people pick up on it or not fine but i think there are things i wanted to do for myself as a as a creative to to know that we were bringing in you know queerness into this world uh somehow you know? yeah no it, it's it's an important thing topic to bring up I'm, I'm i'm assuming like 20 years from now let's hope that it's you don't even have to talk about it it's just it's just it's something that's there and and basically and it's okay like and nobody really cares right so I'm an optimist. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but I'm saying well, now it's an important, it, it, I think you're hundred percent right. It's, the, it's, it's describing your synopsis to basically make sure that, that this is what your agenda is as a film, as, as this, for this film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When we, when we can get to that point of like people just respecting each other, despite yeah. you know, 
gender identification, gender, race, age, you know, ability. I think we're we're going to be in a much healthier place as a society. And some people but, are so scared of it. I don't understand. But, you know, I, I think the, the moment we realize no one's threatening anybody else because of identity, yeah. we, can, we can actually find solutions together. And I think that was the point to me. It's like, if we can just put that to the side for a minute and talk about global solutions, uh, we're in a critical time right now as a world. You know, I just came back from New York Climate Week. They they thought that 10,000 people were going to show up to the march um, last week, Sunday. They, th- they thought 10,000 people were going to show up in New York City, you know, from different organizations. They had about 75,000 people show. And that just shows that there are people across the world that are asking for government agencies, corporations, you know, to take accountability and to pay attention to what's going on. And it has nothing to do with identity. It has everything to do with humanity and you know plant life and animal life and yeah. kind of the beautiful creation that we have people are just scared basically and uh and they're just scared of something they don't know they're not they're not too sure about so we were yeah. talking before before recording the podcast that you're in north carolina now you live in la like every, nobody really cares in la for, in general generally speaking but places like north carolina if more people like travel there or more people move there then there's more like people like you're you know people get to know everybody, every individual, and they don't, and then all of a sudden they could like to like them on an individual basis. They don't care. But if they mm-hmm. see that if there's someone's in Kansas and they see you as a, from a distance, they get scared of you because they don't understand you. And then they'll, that's when hate uh, erupts, I guess. Yeah. I think we have to know each other. It's like, I, yeah, I have it come up when, when I'm sitting with someone or I realize I'm, I'm in a space with someone who's like very much the opposite side of what I might think and feel. Sure. I feel that, that <laughs> you know, my skin gets all, you know, I get yeah. like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. But then I'm yeah. like, you know what? You're just among people. You need to understand other folks and where they're at. That I think sometimes having that conversation and that's, that's what it should be. It shouldn't be attacks. It shouldn't be, you know, threats. It's just, let's just have conversation and kind of understand our different viewpoints, you know? Yeah. Um, or educate yeah. too, right? So I think people's the problem is that certain people's viewpoints are wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right. And, and like because there's ignorance, there's a, there's a, there's there's racism, there's sexism, there's a there's a, there's a, a hate message rhetoric to their ideology, which is wrong, right? So basically, yeah. it's hard to have those conversations with those individuals, but That's they have cool. to learn. They have to educate yeah. through themselves, yeah. right? So. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I know sometimes I'm, I kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I, you're right. Sometimes people are just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it does take that conversation and education to kind of shift perspectives. It's not an easy thing at all. I think it's like they they have bad they have bad opinions, but they're not a bad person. Let's maybe we can be we can say it's safe to say that. Perhaps I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some people are just bad. <laughs> let's just let's be, be bad honest, people. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm talking about the 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 clan, right? The the people who are part of the cults, right? Like they're yeah. are they bad people or are they just kind of wrapped up in their own little world and they're scared shitless of life and their jobs and they don't have any money and blah blah blah. So it makes them feel safe to be part of something that that makes them feel safe, I guess, right? Yeah, and the thing is, like I, I guess bad people don't think of themselves as bad. Like evil sure, people, like, even not. in films, like they think they're the heroes of the story, and you know, it's like the rest of us don't agree. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. we'll see who's on the right. Well, we're on the right. You're on the right side of history. 100%. You're a very uh, brave person. 
what you've come, what you come through, uh, like what you evolved into who you are now. So it's, it's, you're, you're an amazing story in itself and you're making amazing movies. So you're on the right side of history. I know it's not easy, but to be on the right side of things, because it's easier, it's easier not to do what you've, what you've gone through, I guess, personally, you're not going to say yourself. So I'm just going to say it for you. Matt, thanks for that. I, I really do appreciate that. I think, you know, at every step, I think life brings its own challenges, its own changes, transitions, you know, and kind of once we start getting used to this idea of constant change in life, then things become less scary yeah. or knowing that we have to, we're going to continuously grow, whatever it is. I think, you know, from a personal level for me, when it was, you know, trying to think about how I was going to navigate life as a trans guy or, you know, would I want to medically transition? Could I, and, and was that the right decision for me? Um, but now here we are a few years later and, and I'm looking at global issues, the environment that, you know, kind of the stat, the place that we're at right now. And it's like, well, there are a lot of changes ahead and we have to keep growing kind of thinking about how we can contribute in our best ways to society. But it starts with kind of finding the best in yourself. And, um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of my favorite one, and I'll be listening to this, obviously, um, <laughs> uh, is the Jay Shetty podcast. And they talk about he had an episode where he said, you know, he talks about what are some of the most important decisions that we ever make in life. And the number one decision that def that could make or break your life is how do you feel about yourself? Okay. And I thought that was so interesting because it's like, if you're, if you're able to be in a healthy, you know, authentic place with yourself, wherever you are, then there's no telling what amazing things you can do with your life. But if you're sitting in that place of like, you know, self-defeating, you know, you know, never feeling good enough or um, constantly thinking about what other people are going to think and feel about you. How can you grow and how can you feel, how can you contribute to a broader society in a, in a positive and healthy way? You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's very interesting to think about. Yeah, hundred percent, but you don't want to get too stale on yourself too, right? You want to have that, you want to have that pursuit that pursuit needs to keep growing. You don't want to get, yeah. oh, I'm I'm totally happy with myself. I'm amazing. But you want to keep you want to keep trying to improve, trying to grow. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. To challenge yourself, I guess, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's that balance. It's that there's a balance there, right? There's a pursuit of happiness, but then you don't want to go into euphoria and go, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm totally happy because then that's when you stop growing, I guess. Right. But that's my that's the type A me and, and um, that's me talking. So yeah, it is a balance. I, I hear what you're saying. It's definitely like finding that place of like feeling joy and feeling happy in your life and also saying, okay, what's my responsibility and how can I keep going and growing? Um, yeah. It's interesting, actually, a, kind of a slight uh, pivot, but, you know, the original title of this film was Agent of Change. It was singular. And we we shot, once we got to post-production, we even have a title song. The title song in the movie that Gretchen Wilder sings that opens the film is called Agent of Change. Um, which she says, I need an agent of change. Uh, I ch changed the title of the film to be plural because I wanted people to feel like, A, they're not alone in the movement. So for anyone who's thinking about making a difference in whatever capacity when it comes to the, the planet and the environment, that can feel really overwhelming. But I didn't want people to feel like they're alone in that movement because there are so many people that are solution seekers in this space. Um, so I wanted people to feel empowered by the film. And so that was the biggest reason why we changed it to agents of change, oh, this God. idea of community, this idea of doing something together.
Well, the, the film's doing well in the festival circuit. It's mm -hmm. you got your proof of concept. So you're you're like you're getting these awards from festivals, it's getting these screenings, you're on your way. And I uh, wish you the best of luck with this film. Anything that we can do to help, I hope you can you're able to make more uh films or like a series or a TV. It seems like series are the way to go these days, but this could be a, still be a great movie. And uh you're you're fantastic in it. You're you're like you're a great writer, but you're also a great actor. Thanks so much, Matt. That means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate you carving out time and asking such thoughtful questions. Well, like, uh, yeah, let's talk again when the when the next chapter of this experience or when you make another film or never. Let's talk again. Uh, let's talk again soon. I would love my first podcast interview to be with you when that happens. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel.